The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. And also, The Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars. This is Dooley Noted. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another Dooley Noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. And um, it's kind of funny when we were fighting the crowd to get, and it's a bad situation there. And again, I know nobody wants to hear how hard it is for the media and how tough our travel was, but you're fighting through the crowd to get to the interviews and it's, Everybody's drunk. Everybody was drunk in, in Baton Rouge. I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. He said everybody I ran into, and it was a great crowd. There's no doubt about it. They were, as I've said before, they're they're the meanest crowd in college football, and they were mean Saturday night. But they were celebrating. But as we're trying to get through, us, a guy, a Gator fan, saw me and yelled my name, and he goes, he started complaining about the paywall. I said, dude. Like I, like I have anything to do with it. He goes, but love the podcast. So uh, got kudos on the podcast. Got a lot of people who had some questions about some things, too, that they wanted me to address on here, and I will. I will get to those things. Obviously, was not a good night for the Gator defense. It was a bad night. It was about as bad as I've seen a Florida defense play probably since, I would say, the, the last – terrible defensive performance that was really ugly uh so it was the worst since alabama in tuscaloosa when the last time florida went there if you remember they set a record for the most yards florida's ever given up they got more than nebraska in the fiesta bowl in that game saturday night florida gave up 10.6 yards per play which is the most LSU'd ever gotten against an SEC team, against a top 10 team. It was just ugly. And uh, obviously the injuries hurt. Obviously the scheme wasn't as good as it could have been. Uh, It's easy to say that in hindsight. Obviously guys didn't fit the right way. You know, when, when when we talk to Coach Muller and he says, well, we had some bad fits. And I'm like, I'm always, game seven, doesn't should have bad fits, but I also know what you're dealing with as a college player. You're out there and it's a loud crowd, and you're dealing with with stuff, and you get tired or you get um, out of position because you're trying too hard. And bad things happen. Bad things always happen to defenses. Eventually, you're not going to be dominant all the time. But I will say this. It's not like we didn't see the potential for something like that coming for two reasons. One is that even though Florida was putting up these incredible numbers, you were watching the games. You know, Auburn's got a touchdown, throws it, he overthrows it, so the guy, uh, Seth Williams, ends up having to die for it. Florida ends up stopping him. Uh, Shoot, Tennessee had a touchdown, overthrew a wide-open receiver. There were busts in coverage then. But, you know, they, they were able to overcome them. What they were really good at doing was stopping teams in the red zone. Not this time. Didn't, have a, didn't even come close to stopping them in the red zone. And on, 
on the other hand, while Florida wasn't bad in the red zone, those last two possessions certainly cost them any chance to have a chance to win the game. Um, I, I led Mike back nine with this, and I truly believe this. The biggest play of that game was a holding call that happened against um, Stone Forsyth. He did hold him, and, um, you know, or, or Trask would have gotten destroyed probably. But that play changed everything. It's a tie game. Florida's about to, you know, they're going to be on the LSU 48. And uh, instead they're backed up. Defense can pin their ears back. They they flip the field. They get the ball on the 48. And then they kind of take over from there. But again, Florida had right down the field again, they, they went again and again. It was amazing performance. I didn't think that offense had it in them to play at that high a level. And I, I guess maybe I didn't totally trust Kyle Trask. I mean, the things he'd been doing were good, but there was always a throw here or a throw there where I went, Ugh, that's not going to be good. Here's the funny thing. and, I, and I, It was amazing. Sitting there in the stadium, waiting for the game to start, they're doing the introductions of the of the lineups, the, def, the uh, LSU lineup, and they start calling out the defensive guys. And I'm like, wow. I forgot Grant Delpit. I forgot he was even here. I've been so focused on can Florida um, stop their offense. I didn't even think about him and Stingley and Fulton, Christian Fulton, who's a really good player, and all these other guys. And I went, oh, I don't think this not this is not going to go well for Florida. And instead, offense was the least of their problems. Now, obviously, Kyle threw the pick there. Should have been a penalty, as we know. Anybody with eyes would have seen that. But apparently, that's not a requirement in the SEC that you can be able to see. I'm nearly blind. I mean, not nearly blind, but I have real problems with eyesight because of my retinitis pigmentosa, and I could see it. And I'm way up in the press box. Uh, But that's not why Florida lost the game. They lost the game because they could not stop LSU. And the defense had a bad day. Um, I did think it was interesting that nine penalties were called total in the game. There were 162 plays in the game. There were other penalties committed. And I, you know, people have been freeze framing and sending me, what about this? What about this? What about, yeah, guys miss calls, man. They do. They miss calls all the time. You know, and I'm going to talk a little, in a little bit about two mistakes I made in terms of rank where I had teams ranked and in terms of the grade I gave Florida's defense or the grade I gave Florida overall. I'm going to talk about those were mistakes that I made. They weren't mistakes of, of, uh, of being stupid, although I am. They were mistakes of maybe being tired, but certainly – I didn't think them through. But in college football, you have to react as a referee. And it's I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying they aren't talented people. But they screwed up a lot. And they missed some calls on Florida. I'll talk about that. And I'll tell you where I screwed up when we come back. we got to take a break, though, right now. Don't forget, or don't forget, I haven't told you yet. How could you forget? 
later in the show, we'll be joined by Josh Kendall from The Athletic, who uh, knows South Carolina in and out. In fact, we got him coming right out of a uh, Will Muschamp press conference. Uh, we're hoping to get him coming out of a Will Muschamp press conference. He'll give us updates on the health of them and where they are. And uh, next uh, on Thursday, we're going to have, by the way, Andy Staples going to join us also from The Athletic now. And uh, look forward to that. Um, and the next week, don't forget, there'll be a Tuesday follow-up, but not a Thursday. Okay? I need some time off. I think we all do. Let's take a break. Come right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Tailgates and Gator Winds call for the best cigars available from around the world. Pick your sticks today and save at the Florida family-owned site, thehumidor.com. Get free shipping on every cigar order. Find boxes from the biggest brands, samplers hand-selected by top tobacconists, or pick your own single sticks. Thehumidor.com, going the distance for fine cigars. Well, I, I do want to talk about a little bit about the evolution of Kyle Trask. It is an amazing story, and I asked this question in my column, but I, and I'll ask it here again. You wonder, it, it, you know, why Kyle Trask was second team and Felipe Franks was first, and a lot of people are asking that question. Now, I get it. Maybe I don't, I'm sure some people don't get it, and I and you're welcome to your opinion. I thought Felipe Franks could take Florida to a higher level, and I think the coaches did, than than Kyle Trask. Let's not forget, Kyle Trask hadn't started a game in college, hadn't started a game in a long time since his freshman year of high school. Kyle Trask had injuries to deal with. Broken feet. Each of his feet had broken bones in them from uh, previous. He'd missed a lot of time. He didn't get the reps. Um... Franks had made that great run at the end of the year when Florida looked really good on offense. I get it. Felipe Franks looks like and at times plays like a guy that you think can take you to a championship. However, he also plays like a guy that you know can't, and that was always a knock on him. I think Felipe, the Felipe bashing gets a little bit old, Um I, I mentioned this uh, on the radio the other day that most of the emails I got after the game that were negative were about coaching, and I and I said because they don't have their Felipe doll to stick pins in anymore. He was a certainly as a player was very polarizing guy. Not because he was a bad guy, he did a couple things that I I think were questionable, but they weren't illegal. They weren't getting anybody in trouble they were on the football field so you ask the question 
why didn't he see this in Franks? I mean, in uh, Trask. I think he did. I think that's why he had Trask so prepared to play. And I think that's why he probably would have played him against Missouri. There's no confirmation on that last year if he didn't get hurt. And I know that there are a lot of people who watch practice who really like Kyle Trask better than Felipe Franks. All that's interesting to talk about, and and we talk about it all the time. But none of it matters. All that matters right now is Kyle Trask is the quarterback. Emory Jones is going to play. And I thought it was interesting what what Dan had to say, that the reason that Emory Jones played is because Kyle couldn't get all the reps because of his knee. Obviously, the knee was fine by game time, and you saw him running around. But again, he doesn't run as well as Felipe Franks. He doesn't have the strong arm as strong as Felipe Franks. But he's really good. Guy, the guy has got something. He's got an it factor to him. So I, I wouldn't worry about why your coach went with one guy instead of the other one. I would just look at it as everything's fine now. Let's go forward with this, see where it goes. And obviously you're coming up on a huge football game and you're happy that Kyle Trask is your quarterback. Don't Don't worry too much about why Felipe was starting before. And and just worry about keeping this guy healthy. Now, to my errors. And these were errors. I uh, called out by a couple of readers, and I appreciate them reading. One of them was questioning why I would give Florida a D for the overall performance. And it, the point is well taken. Um, that might have been a little low. It's hard for me to go higher than a D when you lose a game. Even when you lose a game to the number five team in America in an unbelievable environment, and I'll get to that in a minute, uh, even when you um, are hang right in there with them and you were so close to maybe even forcing overtime in the game, all that, yeah, I get it. I get it. Probably a C-. minus would have been a better grade or even a C because certainly nobody can be blaming the offense but in a game where you couldn't stop anybody um, it's hard to, it's hard and it's hard to walk in again you're doing these things very late at night probably about midnight when I was doing it um, and all you're all you're seeing is an L it's an L you just fought your way through the fans and you know, I know Jeff Cardozo and Megan Mullen and, and the coaches trying to get through the stands to get down on the field had to deal with a lot worse than I did because those are mean fans. I said it before the game. They're mean. They're they're the meanest fans in the SEC. It's just the way they're built. I, I've been to too many games to not – and I will say it was the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. A little bit of it was infused uh, the, with the music – that was from loudspeakers that were way too loud. And I understand. I know. I know. I sound like an old man, but wouldn't you think an old man who maybe's lost a little bit of his hearing would not be irritated by that as much as some other people? But it was irritating, especially in the pregame. This is why I'm not going to miss going on the road. I will not miss going on the road when and if I retire. And I've had a lot, by the way, I've had a lot of people say, hey, you were talking about retiring. Please don't retire. We, hey, look, 
Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. We're not we're not going anywhere soon, okay? But as you get older, and I am old, um, it does creep into your mind. You do start thinking about it. I will tell you this. Somewhere, somehow, some way, this podcast will continue. Hopefully, it'll be here. That's my plan. Um, okay, so where else did I screw up? In my poll. Now, and again, I know nobody wants to hear me complain. I was filling out my AP poll at 2.30 in the morning, Eastern time. Maybe closer to 3. And uh, I was very tired, obviously. And I was going to get about to get three hours of sleep before I had to go get on a plane. So I didn't think it through properly. And people were complaining why I had Notre Dame over Georgia and Notre Dame over Florida. Georgia beat Notre Dame. Yeah, I think my, my, my thinking, my logic, what was left of the brain cells that I had at that point was that I was more impressed with Notre Dame and their loss to Georgia on the road uh, than I was with Georgia. And Georgia's loss to South Carolina knocked them down in my mind. But Notre Dame lost to Georgia. They both had the same record. You're right. Why would I put Notre Dame 8 and Georgia and Florida 9? That defies logic. I don't know what I was thinking. I should have had Notre Dame lower. I'll fix it next week, one way or another. And I will say, if Florida goes on the road and beats South Carolina, you know, I'll have them up there pretty high. I'm, I, this team, I will say this. This team's better than I thought they were going to be. But the depth issues that I talked about in the preseason – reared their ugly heads because of these injuries. They To have a great season, and this is coming directly from Dan Mullen, to have a great season, you have to be lucky with injuries, and they have not been. I know you can say, well, kind of have been because it got rid of that Franks guy. Now, come on, man. Right now, were you thinking that when, when Kyle Trask was laying on the ground at Aub- against Auburn? writhing in pain were you thinking i'm glad franks isn't around anymore no you were thinking god we could use franks now because you're you were an emory jones sprained ankle at that point away from being having walk-ons in the game but the injuries on those to those defensive ends have hurt obviously some other injuries have been a problem um this team's better though than i thought they would be they are I, i will just say that i know they're six and one they got a huge game Saturday. I may not feel that way after Saturday, after they go up to Columbia. I, I may come back and go, yeah, they're about what I thought they were. They're an 8-4 team with a break 9-3. But you win this game, and it's set up. Hey, man, all you got to do is just keep winning. You keep winning. You win out. You're, play, you're in the playoffs. Now, playoffs, I'm not expecting that, but it's possible can they beat South Carolina? Absolutely. I started to use a, a, a pronoun, not a, what is it? No, an adverb in there, but I didn't because this is a family show. Can they beat Georgia? <laughs> Did you watch Georgia Saturday? Yeah, they can. Clearly, they can beat them. Can they win at Missouri? That may be the toughest game they have left. Missouri's pretty good. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But um, 
that Florida hasn't played well there in a long time. In fact, they've only won once there, right? And that was a tease Tabor pick six game. They won like 21 to six or something. I don't even remember the final there. Can they beat FSU? I'm going to go on the record and say yes. Can they beat Vanderbilt, though? That's the key. At home. Vandy can't, Vandy's just awful. I don't know what they're going to do. I feel bad for Derek Mason. So the point is, they can win all their games. Then they get the SEC championship game, because that's where they'll be if they win all the rest of their games. And they're playing maybe LSU again. I'm sure they'll have a diff- different defensive philosophy. Don't ask me to predict that game, because I don't know who's going to be playing. I don't know who's going to be healthy. I don't know if our LSU is going to be healthy. I mean, think about this. What if, what if somebody goes low on Joe Burrow Saturday in the, when they play Mississippi State and takes out his knee? And I'm, not, I'm not certainly not, not hoping that will happen or, or uh, wishing it would happen or encouraging it to happen. But it could happen. Things like that happen. Now do you feel the same way about LSU? Because Joe Burrow is a really good player. He surprised me how good he was, how accurate he was. And I think he surprised the Florida coaches as well. But now he's all of a sudden a Heisman frontrunner, according to some people. But you know me, I don't consider Heisman until we get deeper into the season. However, I will – like, it's, it's up there. It's mentally in the corner of my mind, which is an awful, awful place to be during football season because there's just too much going on in there, but it's there. Who would you vote for for the Heisman if you had to? Well, I don't have to, so I'm not going to consider it. But I am thinking about it. Joe Burrow's a guy. Tua's a guy. Jalen's a guy. Justin Fields is a guy. All those guys. Jonathan Taylor's a guy. You know, all these guys are, are people I'm considering, but I'm not, like, sitting there going, all right, let's narrow this down. Anyway... So I'm, I'm, I was wrong to put Notre Dame over Florida, and I was wrong to put Notre Dame over Georgia, and I apologize to all my uh, – I've not done a good job with the poll this year, and I think it's because um, just, you know, maybe I, – I, I take it seriously, maybe fatigue, maybe trying to get through it. I really worked hard on it this week, but that was a glaring mistake on my part. So, you should feel good. I, I admitted I was wrong. So, it's on to South Carolina. We will talk about uh, that game, and we're going to get into some of the other games over the weekend. Uh, I told you guys, college football is about to get good, and it was on Saturday. I, I Look, if you sat and watched Georgia, South Carolina, there wasn't a whole lot in the, that 3.30 to 7.30 window but then the games there, we had USC Notre Dame. You had the Florida LSU game, which was unbelievable TV. Um, you had a bunch of other games that were, were really interesting, uh, including Arizona State, Washington State. Uh, college football was really good on Saturday. And I think it's got a chance to be really good again this Saturday. Anytime the Gators are playing at noon, it's got a chance to be good. <laughs> that means yours truly can go back to a room and watch football. All right, let's get a break. We'll bring in Josh Kendall from The Athletic. Look forward to talking to him. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. 
Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. A great pleasure to be joined by Josh Kendall from The Athletic, who has covered South Carolina for a long time, which, um, and I, he has seen a few state fairs as well. And you got one going on right now, don't you? Right now, Gator fans, get ready because you can come and take in a noon game and then you can just walk right directly across the street and go to the State Fair. And it is it is everything you would hope the South Carolina State Fair would be. <laughs> well, let me ask you, do you think that that actually kind of will dampen the fact that it's a noon game and parking's going to be an issue? Will it dampen the enthusiasm any or are these fans uh, ready to bounce off the walls? I think I don't think the State Fair will make any difference. The fans are very excited. Will Muschamp gave the, you know, at this point, cliche for a noon game. Head coach stand up there today and say, I need we want our fans to be there early and loud. But it is a noon game. This is the SEC. These people still, like, would rather have a 3.30 or 7 o'clock game where they can pregame longer. I expect South Carolina fans to be excited and to be mostly there and to be pretty loud. And I don't think the State Fair will detract from that atmosphere. Yeah, it's funny. I would wonder what the atmosphere would have been like had they uh, lost to Georgia. If Georgia had kicked the field goal and then won in triple overtime, whether they'd be uh, excited because, you know, Will's had a problem with Georgia, as we all know. And I don't. I think they might have felt like, well, here comes another loss. But, I mean, I do know this. South Carolina fans show up. I will give them credit. They've always shown up, even during some bad, mediocre seasons. Yeah, they. you know, this was a fan base that uh, – you bring up a good point, though. What happens if they had lost that game? I think that would have taken some steam out of them because they were already – the first half of this year, the first five games of this year, I should say – um, they were getting restless with Will. They were ready to, you know, they were starting to grumble. I think he had lost some people with that North Carolina loss and then the way that they lost to Missouri. And the Georgia upset brought almost everybody back. And it just, I mean, I, I don't think you can you can set, talk too much about what it did for Will Muschamp personally and his longevity here. I think, you know, he certainly squashed the job security questions for this year and I think mm-hmm. he probably added a season to his life you know with that victory do you think that they played um, at a level you haven't seen from them or do you think Georgia was just bad I think that Georgia didn't play its best game certainly South Carolina defensively and that and that's what it comes down to uh, is the defense because South Carolina's offense was not that good and only scored three points after halftime and only scored one offensive touchdown to begin the entire game and that's a double overtime game the defense played remarkably well that was not a surprise up front they're really good up front Javon Kenlaw is really really yeah. good up front what was a surprise was the Georgia or was the South Carolina secondary which had been bad through five games was giving up 8.2 yards per attempt to fbs teams which was 13th or 14th in the sec and in the 90s in the country they were playing so poorly in the secondary that will essentially scrapped what he's always done which is match personnel and go to nickel against three wide receivers and just started leaving a strong side linebacker on the field a lot more and playing four three almost all the time instead of nickel so that's what they entered the game with and then they go in there and a sophomore cornerback named Israel Mukuyama has three interceptions and takes one back for a touchdown and they hold Georgia's pass game in check despite the fact that Jake Fromm throws 51 passes that's as poorly as I've ever seen Fromm play so the defensive secondary stepped up 
kind of got in line with the defensive line, and it sort of you know became at South Carolina a historic defensive performance. Yeah, you know, uh, I talked to Will this summer. He said he he had his best team there, and obviously when you lose Jake Bentley uh, right away, that that uh, was a was a problem. Then you lose Holinsky for the game. And you're going with a guy who hadn't practiced, as Will said, very much. But uh, it'll be interesting to see with Holinsky how much he's able to play with that knee. Yeah, they said, Will said on Sunday, he fully expects him to play. He said on Tuesday, you know, that he was thought he should be all right. So, you know, if you're looking for wiggle room, if you're trying to read the tea leaves and listen to phrasing, it sounds like he's going to play. How healthy he will be, I don't know. His mobility is not his strength. He's never been a mobile guy. He's not a guy they really use in the run game at all. So he's, it's not like he takes away a weapon. As long as he's healthy and can pr- move around enough to protect himself and he can get back in his breaks, you know, he, he should be fine. I expect him to play, but I don't think any of us can sit here and predict right now what his knee is going to be like. I would think that they're going to be a little bit like Florida was last week. You know, they're going to bring in um, – the other quarterback and have him uh, run some plays with running because he's a he was a nifty runner, not a great thrower, and uh, kind of like what Florida did with Emory Jones last week. I think you'll see some of that, but I'm not sure how much. The Joiner played 35 snaps at quarterback against Georgia, and Georgia's a good team, but Florida's a good team too. Joiner played 35 snaps at quarterback, and they gained 108 yards in those 35 snaps. I think they're just really limited with. Joiner versus with Helensky at quarterback. And if Helensky is healthy, I think you do yourself a disservice if you're South Carolina to replace him with Joiner much at, at quarterback. You maybe some goal line situations if you've got something specific you want to do, mm-hmm. but I don't expect it to be a, a rotation by any means if Helensky is healthy. Yeah, and obviously, as you mentioned, he's not the most mobile guy in the world. And with Florida's pass rush, now we don't know where they are with their pass rush with both of their ends out. How um, I know that there was a lot of guys that got beat up in that Georgia game for South Carolina. How healthy are they in some other spots? Because I know Brian Edwards got hurt, although he went back in the game, and he's just a he's a really good player. He is a really good player and having a really good season. They're completely healthy, as, as you know, except for guys they've lost earlier in the year for the season, guys that would not have made much of an impact anyway. They're completely healthy other than the quarterback. Edwards will play. Darius Hutcherson, their left tackle, who went down for a little bit in the Georgia game, is back. He's fully healthy. He'll play. So they are at full boat other than Helensky. And like I say, I, I think he will play. I was trying to tell somebody the other day that I think the Georgia game's a bigger deal to Will Muschamp than the Florida game is because, you know, he knows what he liked. He liked a lot of people here. They all got along. I mean, the press conference where they fired him, it was like a love fest. Uh, it's not like people didn't like Will. People really liked Will here. But certainly to to go back to back and beat, beat Georgia and Florida would be a huge feather in his cap. There's no question. South Carolina's never beaten top 10 teams in back-to-back weeks you start there but you're right that the Georgia game if he had to pick one he would have taken the Georgia game no question because the Georgia game is much more important to his fan base than the Florida game historically Georgia's right behind Clemson in terms of the teams that the Gamecocks hate so to break through that ceiling a little bit was huge for him and I I I think that now yeah if he could cap it off with the Gators I, I don't even know I don't even think it being the Gators plays into it much at right, all. But right. another top ten team, if he could get a second, you know, n- nobody would have predicted at the preseason. I certainly didn't 
that South Carolina would beat Georgia and then Florida in back-to-back weeks. And if he does, they will turn a lot of heads. Certainly not without uh, Bentley that that a lot of people talked about. Let me ask you, and I know that their defensive front is really good. You mentioned the secondary was struggling earlier, uh, but has that defensive front allowed that secondary to play a little freer? Uh, yeah, and I think that they have narrowed down some of their defensive playbook. I think that they were their defensive secondary, you know, missed enough assignments finally that they they cut some pages out of the playbook. But the defensive line has played good all year, and the secondary has not. Now it played especially good against Georgia, especially when you consider how highly thought of that offensive line is. But I, I think the way the secondary played is just more a function of the secondary's progress because that defensive line really has quietly until Saturday played good all year you know we were talking watching the game that that offensive line for Georgia is really good and when Fromm had time he was really good but when you pressured him he was not good and obviously the pick six came on a pressure uh what did they do did they uh blitz a lot in that game no they didn't Javon Kinlaw it's hard to uh, he's another guy who along with Brian Edwards seniors who are who considered briefly going to the NFL last year, came back and have made the most of it. Ken Law is playing. I, I don't watch Auburn every snap, but I, it's hard for me to imagine that Derrick Brown has been more disruptive than Javon Kenlaw. He is pushing the pocket back virtually every snap he's in the game. He doesn't have a, he, he leads the SEC in sacks, and he's not a guy who racks up a lot of stats. He's because he takes so many double teams, and he's you know right in the middle of the defense of, of the line so often. But I, I can't. It's hard for me to imagine that there's anybody in the SEC that's playing or the nation that's playing better than him on the defensive line, and that's helped everybody else around. Yeah, no, I, he's great. I thought he would be great going into this year. In fact, I when we did our list of top twenty-five players in the conference, I had him on there. People were saying you got all these South Carolina players. Why? Why no Tennessee players? Well. I think you'd understand now why. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an interesting game, and certainly, uh, uh, Josh, we appreciate your time. We'll uh, we'll take a break right now on the Duly Noted podcast, and we'll be back with more. You're listening to it at GatorSports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or visit Zaxby's.com. Okay, we're going to talk about some of the other games that were this weekend that we uh, talked about. Thanks so much to Josh for coming on. Um, you know, it's funny. I called the Tennessee-Mississippi State game. Not in the paper, though. Dummy. I picked Mississippi State to win, and then I got thinking more and more about it. And I made it my upset pick of the week on radio and on TV and all these other things. And anytime anybody wanted to ask, I go, watch out. Tennessee's beating Mississippi State this week. So I called that, kind of, but I miss it in the paper where it really matters. Dummy. Kind of watched some of that game. Mississippi State's just not very good. I wonder what people there are thinking about that Joe Moorhead hire now. You know, I think he's a pretty good coach, but I don't think he's a great coach. And you know, he may be another – like the whole knock on Dan Mullen at Mississippi State was he had a ceiling and it was going to be hard to get through that ceiling. And Joe Moore's ceiling may be lower. He's not, he's not your problem, though, I know. Um, Alabama, watching Alabama and a and uh, Alabama is, is what it is this year. And, and I think all of us are looking forward to Alabama-LSU. 
it may be what we thought Texas Oklahoma was going to be. I mean, up and down. I, neither team plays great defense. And I will say this: LSU's terrible on defense. That wasn't a fluke. Um, they're just not. They're not real good, even with all those great defensive players and a bunch of guys that are going to go to the NFL. They don't seem to be schemed up right. Now, Florida played at a high level offensively. Receivers made some unbelievable catches. But um, and I was telling Robbie after the game, I go. You know what? LSU is going to kill Auburn next week. They play them next, not this week, but next week. It's a CBS game. It'll be a rout because Auburn can't score with them. Are you kidding me? You saw Auburn. That's not going to be pretty. Um, it's interesting, though. A&M is still receiving votes in the AP poll. Who's voting for A&M? They haven't beaten nobody. They're 3-3. Three and three. Who is voting for them? I have to look that up. Actually, somebody, uh, Kirk Bowles, voted for South Carolina, had them 21st, I think. So that's where their their points came from. But again, they're 3-3 three and three with some bad losses. That yeah, was a good win. So I'm not the only one making mistakes in the poll. Um, didn't get to watch a lot of Clemson FSU. Just kind of flipped it over every once in a while to see how bad it was. Robbie and I had, now again, there may have been some cool beers talking on this but we were in the bar eating dinner friday night and we were convinced that fsu might beat clemson that fsu was coming around watch out you know give i'll definitely take the 24 points or whatever the spread was fools losers suckers we were awful on that obviously that wasn't the case FSU could not play with Clemson. They could have played – I think they could play 10 times, and I don't think they could come within 20. And and I think Clemson kind of got their dander up a little bit. Like, oh, oh, you guys going to drop us below Alabama now? So what do they do? That That's the funny thing. They destroyed FSU, and they dropped another spot in the polls. So they're really going to be mad this week. In the end, it doesn't really matter. One, two, three, four. The polls actually, you know, I, I love the polls as, as, as a voter, but I lo- I'd love them anyway. I'd be looking at them. I'd be interested. But in the end, it's going to be up to the committee. If Clemson goes undefeated, they're going to get in with one good win. And it's not even a good win. a and it's their best win. And there's not a, a chance because I don't I, – I should have probably double-checked. I don't think the ACC has anybody else ranked, right, because Wake was ranked and lost – so there's no great win there. None. Zero. They'll still get in at 13-0. and You're not going to take – oh, defending national champs won every game. Now nah, we're going to leave you out. Uh, watched a lot of that Oklahoma-Texas game. Here's a great thing. We, the, the hotel we stayed at, we got upgraded to suites. And they weren't luxurious suites, believe me. They were, But they were nice. And they had two TVs, so if you positioned a chair just right, you could watch both TVs. And you know me, I like multiple games on. Um, so got to watch a lot of the Oklahoma-Texas game. Everybody's raving about Oklahoma's defense. They gave up a lot of points, especially in the second half, but they got a bunch of sacks and a bunch of tackles for losses. It's a different defense, and, they, and that was going up against a really good offense. Um so Oklahoma gets you gets a little more respect, but you know who gets a lot of respect is Wisconsin. 
38 nothing over Michigan State. Michigan State is uh, treading water right now. I mean, they've been dealing with scandal, dealing with all kinds of problems. They can't beat anybody. They're getting destroyed. They got no offense. They moved the offensive coaches around. Didn't work. Guy asked D'Antonio about maybe do you regret now not – now, I will say this. The question was loaded. But if you ask, it, it, it's a legitimate question. He called it a dumbass question. You brought back these same offensive coaches. Your offense sucks big time. Maybe you should have done something else. Yeah, probably should have. He's a little testy right now, a little salty. Uh, Penn State beats Iowa. Big game now for them this week with Michigan coming in, game day coming in. That'll be interesting. Penn State's a team that's hard to rank, too. Because um, that was their biggest win, 17-12. Iowa just makes you play to their level, don't they? Um, and, and the game I was kind of keeping an eye on, I wasn't watching because I, I couldn't. We had wireless issues up there. Was Kentucky beating Arkansas? I mentioned this in my column, my picks column. Kentucky doesn't win this game. They're not going to a bowl game. They're not getting to 6-6, six and six, and so they at least won that game. That wasn't pretty. Lynn Bowden ended up playing a lot of quarterback, which is kind of where they almost need to go. But I don't think that works against Georgia, but now I'm looking at Georgia. I think we all are a lot differently than we were before. And then Vandy losing to UNLV, maybe the final straw. I don't, I don't know what they're thinking at Vandy. Are they thinking – we got to go get somebody else. This guy was supposed to be a great defensive mind, and at times we were good defensively, but now we're not good at defense or offense or winning. They're not going to a bowl this year. It's pretty obvious. And they're, and they're getting beat by a UNLV team that had one win on the year. They're not any good. UNLV's terrible. UNLV handled Vanderbilt. I don't. I mean, if I'm Derek Mason, I go. Let me go try this somewhere else. I know I'm a pretty good coach, and I know, I know what I'm doing. It ain't gonna work here anymore. Let's let's move on. Also, Missouri with the win um, over Ole Miss, which was a contested game. Their South Carolina win looks better. They're five and one, and they're ranked. They've only played I, – I, I may have misread this. They've only played one road game all year. Where was that at? Wyoming. What did they do? They lost. Now, their next three games are on the road, but they're only one of them's against a tough team, and that's Georgia. So, again, we look at it differently now. So, I'm not sure how good Missouri is. A lot of times, it's about the schedule – and I'm not going to do scheduling lectures again this week. But when you get Ole Miss and Arkansas from the other side, it's good It's good to be a Missouri Tiger. <laughs> of course, you lose to Wyoming. You're not feeling that. All right. Let, oh, one thing, other thing I wanted to mention before I get to three things. Um, they came out with the uh, basketball poll that the writers did for um, the SEC, and I was a voter on it. I had Florida number one. Uh, they, the uh, majority was Kentucky, number one, Florida, number two. 
I mean, I, it's hard for me. I don't see Kentucky – it's all Kentucky recruits and a couple of guys that holdovers. I think Kentucky's going to be really good, and they may be better in Florida. I'm still waiting to see how good Florida is, plays together. Uh, they had LSU third, Auburn fourth. And Kerry Blackshear as the player of the year, which I think was the easy choice and the safe choice. I voted for him. I don't know who else you would vote for. A lot of this league lost an awful lot of talent. There's a lot of talent back, but there's no guy that you go, wow, that's the guy. Uh, except for him, for a lot of reasons, Nemhard on the second team. All right, let's go to three things. It's time for three things. Number one on three things. It would not be a col- – uh, I'm sorry. Let me start out again. Number one on three things, it would not be a professional football season if people weren't complaining about the referees. It seems like it's every year. Complain, complain, complain. The reason is there's a lot, lot more money on the line with, with the NFL. A lot of uh, people get angry. A lot more people that are watching – a lot of fantasy owners are upset with things that happen. And obviously the Green Bay game was the latest where you had some phantom calls that, that really hurt them, uh, hurt Detroit, and they probably should have won that game. I was rooting for Green Bay, so I was happy. But I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Like everybody's always like, look, they throw too many flags. There's no question about it. It's almost like they throw a flag and go, well, they can always review that, even though it's not a reviewable penalty. Penalty. But I think they get kind of locked into that mode of, well, when in doubt, throw the flag. But some of these things aren't reviewable. Um, but what what is the answer? Um, the one suggestion has been, and I think it's a pretty good one, was to have somebody, whether it's Mike Pereira, somebody like that, who's really people respect and acknowledge. I mean, the guy in the, the guy in the booth kept disagreeing with the referees. So um, maybe him. I don't even know who it was, but uh, maybe it was Mike Pereira. I don't even know who it was. But anyway, the point. No, I think he's on Fox. The point is, have one person that can overrule. But the problem is, we're already having so many flags in these games, I don't know what I don't know if that's gonna solve the problem. And you look, if they're not a reviewable play, should everything become reviewable? Maybe just make everything reviewable. I don't know, man. I don't know if we want to sit through that. I mean, we don't want that in college football, but we have it. Every play is reviewable. They're not always reviewable for challenges, but they're reviewable. Every play's technically reviewable. You can't overturn some of them, but you can look at it. That's why when, when somebody goes in a college game, they go, man, they didn't even review that. They reviewed it. They, they decided that it wasn't, um, wasn't going to change, so they didn't buzz down. They saw it. They said, good. It's a good call. Anyway, look, I don't know what the answers are to NFL penalties, to college with, with the problems that college football has. I heard somebody say the other day, you ought to get rid of that crew in the Iowa – or no, the uh, Texas Tech game, Baylor game. They made a terrible call. They didn't know the rules. Made a terrible call. Might have cost Texas Tech the game. Get rid of those all those guys. They shouldn't be able to – I think it was a guy on serious. They shouldn't be able to referee again. Well, who are you going to get to replace them? Because you got, still got to have referees at every game. Well, we'll bring up some high school guys and let them fill in. No. You just got to get them better you got to keep working to make them better. 
And the NFL, for years, everybody's been saying they need to go to full-time officials, guys who that is all they worry about. They're not worried about whether the, you know, they're uh, – they like they work at a bank and they don't. They're concerned whether they left the, the the safe open. They don't have to worry about that. Not, I'm not saying that's ever happened, but I think guys do get distracted. Anyway, let's go to number two really quickly. And I hate to get into anything political, but this LeBron thing is ridiculous. LeBron making the comments that Daryl Morey wasn't educated on the situation with China, the whole Chinese thing, the whole deal. I have not paid a ton of attention to and probably am not educated. I just know this. And I heard somebody talk about this today, and I totally agree. LeBron's a big phony. LeBron's saying all this because LeBron may be affected in the pocketbook, and that's what he's all about. That's the end of that comment. And now, no, no emails. No emails. I don't want to read them. I will delete them. I will not read them. I just wanted to get that off my chest. Finally, number three, the XFL had its quarterback draft yesterday, or today I think it was, and now they have the draft. There are other drafts coming up. My level of interest could not be lower, and I love spring football. I love it. I covered the X or the uh, USFL for two years. It was the best time of my life. I covered the World Football League. I was really into the. Uh, I was one of the few people that was into the Steve Spurrier League, as I call it, the AAF. But this one, no. I'm not going to pay any attention to the XFL. And the biggest reason is the way they ignored the AAF. I think it was poor journalism, unfair, didn't like it, didn't report on them. And, uh, and now all of a sudden, everything they do in, in the XFL is getting all this publicity. And I'm like, I choose to ignore you. That's going to do it for another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Really appreciate everybody for clicking on. We'll be back with another one. Andy Staples will join us on Thursday. Look forward to it. Till then, Pat Dooley, sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I'm deep, I'm way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is presented each week by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's or order at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit vistarcu.org. And also the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars.